Welcome back to the Oral Health Podcast. This is the second episode in the two-part special we have talking about our Safe Smiles campaign, in particular how uh, direct-to-consumer orthodontics, so the type of aligner treatment where you don't actually have to go and see a dentist or an orthodontist, how that impacts people and the drawbacks of it, let's say. Uh, Now we're going to discuss a case study today whose name has been changed to protect their identity. We will be referring to her as Jessica. In a moment, we'll hear from Anshu Sood. She is the clinical lead at the British Orthodontic Society and is just going to give some professional input on the logistics of this, why it might not be such a good idea, and just advice in general about if you're going to go through orthodontic treatment. So like we said last time, if you have had a direct-to-consumer aligner treatment, so teeth straightening at home done by yourself without a professional being involved, please get in touch. Let us know. We want to hear your story and we really want to help you. So any way we can help you, we will definitely try to do that. Stick around till the end of the episode to learn how to get in touch. Okay, so uh, Anshu, I don't believe that you've actually come on our our podcast before. So would you like to just explain uh, who you are and um, your, your experience as a dentist? Thank you very much for having me, Sophie. Yeah, so uh, my name is Anshu Sood. I am a specialist orthodontist, so I specialise in braces and straightening teeth. Um, I am also the director of clinical practice for the British Orthodontics Society. So we represent the interests of all um, all types of people that are involved in brace treatment and patients. So that involves the tra- trainees, so people that are training to be orthodontists. That involves general dentists that have an interest in orthodontics, specialists who actually practice orthodontics and consultant orthodontists as well that work in the hospital and sometimes also work in specialist practice too. We're obviously here talking about... Um... Funny enough, not orthodontics in a traditional sense, but people that use companies that post all of your treatment to your house and boast that you can straighten your teeth without ever having to see a dentist. And, um, you know, that does unfortunately sometimes result in people either not getting their teeth looking the way they want, but then unfortunately also developing more problems from it. Um, And we've had a, a story sent to us it's quite shocking to read the the things that she's experienced purely because her treatment was never done by a professional. And it just highlights, I think, why professionals are important. Funny enough, you should see a dentist if you want to do anything to your teeth. <laughs> Indeed. Yes, yes. And I think it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because the availability of these um, direct-to-consumer aligners is a very different type of care model healthcare model than going to see a dentist or an orthodontist to have your treatment done and I think it's quite important that we distinguish between the delivery of care which healthcare professionals do and the delivery of aligners which is what companies do that manufacture aligners Mm -hmm. and of course yes those aligners do the same product but the analogy I always use is that if I give you Roger Federer's tennis racket does not mean that you will win Wimbledon that piece of plastic that is the aligner will do the work that it is programmed to do by the person that does the programming. So when that is a dentist or an orthodontist who has been trained in how teeth react, how they behave, what the physiology of teeth is, that is very different from a computer algorithm deciding that teeth can move from A to B, but with having no understanding of the biology or the physiological Mm -hmm. response that teeth will have in order to be able to move healthily 
with stability and with reduced risk. And so I think that's our main um, contribution, I suppose, really, as healthcare professionals, is that we have an understanding of teeth and how they move and what is safe and what is not safe. And so whilst we are providing aligners, we are providing that within that educational capacity rather than just being a company that manufactures aligners and sells the plastic. Mm-hmm. Now, I've pulled some little bits out of... Um jessica's case study and i'm just going to just to me as a, a lay person someone that's not a dentist rang alarm bells for sure. me and i'd really love to get your thoughts on them um so obviously they don't do in quote-unquote tests in the traditional sense they do a 3d mm. scan of the teeth to show you a 3d rendered image and that's apparently what your teeth are going to look like when you finish treatment so mm. But she said that um, she's had a few concerns about the 3D rendered image that they show you. So it looked like the front teeth would move and the gum would then sort of be exposed. And when she asked them about it, they basically said, oh, no, don't worry. Um, The 3D render images just doesn't show gums that well. It's not going to be a problem. But it is a problem now um, because the gums are exposed when she's finished all of her treatment. And to me, that just is a mark of something that is quite unprofessional. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. And so I think um, it's quite interesting because I think one of our biggest things at the British Orthodontic Society is that we believe that anyone who is undergoing any type of orthodontic treatment, because I think the worry is people kind of think that this is just an aesthetic treatment, but it's not. These are your teeth. You've got them for life. And so they need to be looked after. And so everybody who undergoes this kind of treatment should have a certain levels of what we would call investigations, like you've said, um, that that need to be done so that patients can be cleared for the safety of their teeth and their health in order to be able to then proceed on to having the brace treatment, the orthodontic treatment, the aligner treatment, whichever one it is. And these scans that uh, are taken are just one of many things that you would have done if you actually went to see a clinician. And if you saw a clinician prior to having treatment, you would have um, the equivalent of a dental checkup, which is what we call an orthodontic assessment. So somebody would look inside of your mouth. They would see how your teeth bite together. They would look at how your teeth fit within the gums, how they fit within the bone, how they fit within your facial profile, as well as getting x-rays. And all of this would give us a picture of how those teeth could be moved, because to some degree, there is truth in the fact that the that the scans don't always show up the gums moving as they would do biologically. But that's also true of the fact that that 3D rendering of your teeth is a computer simulation of how your teeth would move. There's no guarantee that your teeth will move in that way either. And so unless you can physically see the patient and you can see how the gums are sitting at the beginning of the treatment, it's very hard to predict what the adverse effects of treatment might be at the end of treatment. And so some patients have gum disease, some patients have receding gums, some people have poor bone health, and all of those things are going to affect the way the teeth move, but more importantly, the health of the teeth, because if those things are not healthy to start off with, they definitely are not going to be healthier at the end without any intervention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know as well she's highlighted she's got loads of problems with sensitivity now yes. that she's finished yes. her treatment and, and of course um, that is one of the risks of, of 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 exposed roots which is basically what happens when your gums recede is it exposes part of your tooth that's normally covered by the gum so it's not as hard as the enamel it's not resistant to you know hot temperatures cold temperatures and that's how the sensitivity happens and and the worry with something like that is it is irreversible there's mm-hmm. no way to make that gum grow back over the teeth um and so you, you're sort of left with those those symptoms of sensitivity and that can really affect your quality of life 
it wouldn't be so bad if the companies, like they say, are having the treatment overseen by a dental professional. When what we found out by talking to her is that there is an orthodontist assigned to the case, but it's just a name that they put on the emails. So it must be based on like geographical proximity. But when she Googled her orthodontist, they were actually based in Ireland, which is a completely different country to where she was based. And they tailor all of their emails to make it sound like it's coming from a dentist. So they'll say, your dental care team really wants to let you know that, but it's not, it's just coming from a customer service agent. So they're really clever with how they word these things to make it seem legitimate, which again, to Mm. me was just a huge red flag (laughs) that I wanted to bring up with you because that can't be can't be right well it's deliberately misleading isn't it and and i think that that's 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 very unfair on the consumer who may know no better and is inevitably putting their trust in the hands of these companies to do the right thing by them and of course you're not going to start every purchasing decision being suspicious of the people that you're purchasing it from and so you have to have a degree of trust in these companies but i think there also needs to be transparency around that and certainly um more recently the general dental council who are our regulatory body Mm -hmm. have very specifically said that actually patients should have access to the person that plans their treatment, decides their treatment, carries out their treatment and completes their treatment so that there is that point of contact where you have direct access to that clinician so that you can discuss any concerns, any queries, make sure that you fully understand the risks and the benefits of the treatment that you're about to embark on so that all of these things can be clarified and there is no lack of transparency mm-hmm. over who is providing that treatment for you and to ensure that it is being um, provided by a named professional who is registered with the General Dental Council. And I think that is a really big step that the GDC have made that is in patients' interests. And it would be good for patients if they needed to have any further advice about that. You can visit the GDC website and there's quite a lot of information on the expectations that should be met when you are purchasing direct-to-consumer care when it yeah. comes to orthodontics. It's funny exact that you say exactly that because she's also gone on to say like they intercept at every single point where she was like look I'm not comfortable I want to speak to the dentist that is overseeing my treatment to get their opinion and every single turn they're like oh it's completely normal oh come in come in and we'll give you a scan and she was like well finally I'm going to get to speak to someone because they're listening to me I'm going in for a scan and they just did another 3D scan and we're like oh yeah it's normal this is what we would expect and it's exactly like you say you know these are all sort of red flags because certainly when you do ask to speak to your supposed you know care clinician you should be able to access them in some way or form isn't it and it might not be there immediately but there should be an email or a telephone or an appointment book of some sort that allows you to discuss your concerns around your treatment because that is just ethical and morally good care mm-hmm. um i think the 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 issue about just repeatedly being scanned is that of course like you say that's not really telling you anything about how you feel biologically. This this reliance that we have on technology is incredible. It is absolutely fantastic. These 3D scans are amazing. What we can do when we render a, you know, a 3D outcome of what the treatment might look like, the way that we are able to monitor, monitor treatment remotely, they should all be adjuncts to basic clinical care. They should not be alternatives to good clinical face-to-face care. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we need to be really clear about is that at some point there has to be face-to-face care that all of these technologies are feeding into, but they are not replacing that. 
I want to ask you a little bit as well about retainers um, for orthodontic treatment, because that's something that, you know, I've I've had traditional like train track braces Mm. and Mm. I know how important they are because when you don't wear them, they shift your teeth exactly back to where they were. (laughs) Yeah. And certainly this is one of our concerns not just with the retainers, but certainly along the clinical care of the direct-to-consumer market, is that a clinician that you sign up with or a company that you sign up with should be able to provide your care from start to finish. You know, we hear about these companies needing to write to the dentist to ask these patients to be signed off against their dental health status, their gum status. We hear of these companies asking patients to then go ahead and find somebody to do what we call their IPR, their interproximal reduction, which is sometimes when you have a little bit bit of filing done between your teeth to make sure everything fits in comfortably. And then, like you've said, Sophie, exactly that. We have patients that are then asked to go to another provider to provide either a fixed retainer or alternative retainers to what would be in the basic treatment package. And that's not providing treatment. You know, that goes back to my conversation about that is literally just providing a set of aligners. But the orthodontic treatment is so much more than just the aligners to make your teeth straight. It is the examination at the beginning. It is the interventional treatment that needs to be done along the treatment journey but finally like you say what is the point of having it all done because if you don't have any retainers at the end of the treatment your teeth will move Mm -hmm. we know that teeth can move like anything in the rest of your body throughout your lifetime and so simply having your teeth straightened is not going to hold them there I always liken it to the fact if you go to the gym and you get fit you don't just stay fit because you did it once there has to be a maintenance program and that's basically what your retainers are they are your maintenance program so you've put all that hard work in that energy you've paid all that money you've got that beautiful smile you have to be able to maintain it with the retainers and that has to be part of the overall treatment program for you to have got what you asked for at the beginning of that treatment mm-hmm. and, and and the main thing obviously like retainers we've spoken to some people who are like oh we didn't even get retainers they just send the aligners and funny yes. enough my teeth have shifted yes. um, yeah J- jessica said that she did end up getting retainers once she's finished the treatment but they weren't included she had to pay them extra to make yes. and send her retainers yes. um, and they were told only wear them for two weeks and then after two weeks go to wearing them just at night and that's not yes. what I was told when I had mine but that's one of the things I wanted to ask you is yeah. is that standard or so I think uh, that retainer what we call retainer regime is not unreasonable to wear them two weeks full time and then just at night times only the benefit of wearing your retainers for two weeks can only be achieved if you've had a really good stable result at the end. And my concern is, is that nobody is checking that result for its stability. So certainly we know that from studies, from evidence, from research, that there are certain types of tooth movements that are more likely to move back what we call relapse than others. And so if somebody is looking at your treatment carefully, they will provide a retainer regime that is adapted to you, that is bespoke to you, dependent on how your teeth were to start off with. So, for example, we know that teeth that are crossed over, if you have two front teeth that are crossed over at the front, there is a huge likelihood that they're going to want to start slip back. So in those sorts of cases, you might provide a fixed retainer or you might ask a patient to wear the retainer for longer than two weeks than that initial instance to allow those teeth to bed into that new final position and create more stability in the long run. But of course, unless anybody is looking at that beginning um, 
sort of scan to compare it to the end scan or looking at the patient's biology at the beginning of the treatment, looking at their gums, looking at their bone health. How do we know what that patient needs at the end when actually all they're just doing is going through a kind of a process that where one size fits all? And indeed, same as you've said, I've heard of patients who have been asked to um go and find another provider to provide a fixed retainer for them and so that's a little wire that's glued onto the back of your teeth that is there permanently and so of course that provides a different level of retention and it goes back to the conversation that I was having around the fact that if you are treating a patient you should be able to treat them from start to finish and if you can't do that you should have a team of people around you that can do that I mean nobody goes to the doctors and uh, you've got a broken leg and they go I'm sorry I know you've got a broken leg but you need to go elsewhere to have your plaster put on you know they know where to send you they've got a team of people behind you them that work for you and um it's the it's the same principle really isn't it uh and I think um the worry is, is like you say, it's those hidden costs as well, because you didn't know that you were going to have to pay more for those retainers. Mm -hmm. So suddenly a treatment package that seems like it's X amount is actually X plus Y plus some more. Who knows? Uh, and so I think, you know, the lack of transparency around fees is something that we we would want to see change as well. Yeah. And actually talking about fees, another point that Jess raised is that she felt like when she when she was committed she wasn't able to stop having treatment because they send all of the aligners in one big box they don't send sure. them individually and so even though she was really uncomfortable she felt like she had to do all the rest whereas mm. I suppose if you were with a a professional and you you could make a decision together of oh maybe let's tweak things or maybe it is best to stop or is there a situation where I don't know how to phrase what I'm trying to ask. Like, is that is that appropriate to say, like, oh, maybe let's slow it down, or maybe let's? No, definitely. I think there absolutely is, and I think I think most of those concerns that um, that Jess talks about can actually be smoothed over with just a conversation. Often it is just reassurance that patients need, isn't it? Because like you say, when you start treatment, it is uncomfortable and your teeth do ache a little bit and you're not quite sure what normal is supposed to look like and what normal is supposed to, what experiences you're supposed to be going through. And sometimes just even a simple phone call to, for example, we have patients that will ring up the practice and they will speak to our patient care coordinator. She will do routinely call patients a week after they've had their brace fitted four weeks just to check on them, to check they're OK. And of course, there will always be patients that suddenly think, crikey, what am I doing? Is this really right for me? And often it's just a little bit more knowledge and reassurance and understanding that what they're going through is normal mm -hmm. um, that allows them to proceed with the treatment. But you are also absolutely right, because there are stages when people go, actually, A, maybe this is not right for me. I'm having second thoughts or B, I'm actually at a stage where I'm happy with things, but I don't know where to go from here because I don't want to wear those the rest of those aligners. Um, and in the first instance, of course, you know, you are you are allowed to have second thoughts you've embarked on a journey that you don't know necessarily what it was um going to look like and for some patients like i said that's simply a conversation around reassurance to know that actually everything's okay but for some patients it genuinely is a conversation around the fact that maybe this just isn't right for you or maybe it's not the right time or maybe a different brace type would work for you and so certainly we've had patients that started off in aligners and are not comfortable wearing them they've wanted to move to a fixed brace and as clinicians we're able to do that we're not just we're not providers of aligners we are providers of straight teeth mm -hmm. and there are many different ways to get straight teeth and so you know that's another way of looking at it um 
But of course, in the situation where patients have got to a situation where they're like, actually, I've had enough, I don't want to wear them anymore. It's important that patients have a conversation with a clinician to know what the risks and the benefits are of them stopping at that stage. Because, of course, you might say to a patient, that's absolutely fine. Things are not absolutely perfect, but they look pretty good. Your bite is stable. Your teeth are stable. If you want to stop now, no problem at all. But there are also situations where you say to a patient, actually, if you leave things like they are now, there are certain things that might still happen that would be adverse effects. So your bite's not quite right or a tooth is halfway moved and it's sometimes not over the bottom tooth or not under the bottom tooth. It's edge on edge. And then that causes trauma in the long run. And so how do patients know that unless there is a clinician available to have that conversation with them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100 percent, because that's a world apart from my impression of this which was raising a concern speaking to a customer service agent who let's be honest their job is to make sure you keep the treatment going and keep paying for it just going oh no it's fine that's completely normal yes when really they don't have the years and years of training to be able to say that's completely normal because they don't know no they don't know of course they don't know they don't know that patient they don't know that patient's case they don't know how severe their, their teeth were or how mild their teeth were when they started to know what progress should look like or what problems may or may not look like um, and I think you know it goes back to that clinical care it goes back to somebody having an input and overseeing and taking ownership of that patient's treatment in a way that is ethically and morally right mm-hmm. and you know Jessica is quite quote unquote fortunate that they didn't get more things go wrong with their treatment than just a bit of sensitivity. And we've heard of, of, you know, worse problems than that. So, you know, without the lack, you know, without x-rays and without a direct clinical examination, you know, we've heard cases where patients have started treatment on a tooth that has not been healthy and they've ended up with an abscess on that tooth. And, you know, the the worst case scenario with that is that you actually lose that tooth because it has to be removed or, you know, you haven't been able to actually make the mouse healthy before you even start the treatment. And that's one thing in orthodontics that we don't really start treatment until we know the patient is what we call dentally fit. And so, you know, I always say that you're better off having crooked, healthy teeth than you are having straight you know, uh, unhealthy teeth that are at risk of either decay or falling out or root treatments or whatever it is, isn't it? And so who decides that along the way? Because that technology is great, but we're not quite there with 3D scanning that we can say that actually the bone health is fine and the gum health is fine. Certainly there are scanners that are coming out now that can detect decay. So caries, so that's great. But we're not there to to sign off a patient as being dentally fit just from doing a 3D scan yet. And that's that's really, really important that you are dentally fit before you start the treatment so that you are reducing the risk of any of these adverse effects that can happen. And and these sorts of things, these abscess, they're really painful. They're really uncomfortable. And then when you can't access somebody for reassurance and support, that can be psychologically quite worrying and quite anxiety inducing. She was really open about this caused her a lot of real distress because she's like I can't I can't be a mum I'm a single parent and all my energy's gone because of this and I I can't do this I can't do that and it it just it took on so many different areas of her life that it yeah it spirals doesn't it yes Mm -hmm. yeah no I know and you think all from just wanting to have your teeth straightened um you know and then let's not forget as well that patients that find themselves in that position the anxiety is also around the fact that actually they've given their money away 
to mm-hmm. uh, rem- I say remote as in not physically present company. Um, and there's all that anxiety around that, because let's face it, a lot of the time people do choose these options because they are easier on the budget, aren't they? But there is a reason that they are easier on the budget, because there is not that input of that whole clinical team, the clinician, the orthodontist, you know, everybody say, for example, in my practice and most orthodontic practices and most dental practices, nearly everybody on the team can answer the patient, you know, the question that a patient might have. And if they can't answer it, somebody else in the team will be able to. And it's much more than just basic customer service. It's dental knowledge and it's education and it's understanding and it's experience, isn't it? And so even if patients contact um, the, the clinician, and they're concerned about their treatment, they know that there's somebody on the end of the phone that they can have, you know, recompense with or, you know, can hold accountable to their treatment or actually have a conversation with. Whereas once you've given your money away and all you can get through to is customer service, we've all done that as consumers where you're just trying to get, you know, hold of somebody who will be able to help you. And it's that kind of computer says no kind of issue, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and that that induces anxiety as well, doesn't it? It's not, it when you've chosen an option because your budget can only allow for it, that's a lot of money to you, isn't it? It's a lot of money to anybody. And of course, orthodontic treatment with a professional is expensive, but it's expensive for a reason because of the knowledge and the time and the effort that goes behind it. I go back to the Roger Federer thing. You don't get to win Wimbledon by not, you know, putting any time effort and hours of practice into that you know that that piece of plastic that tennis racket whatever analogy you use there has to be the knowledge behind it to give you the result that you're looking for yeah definitely and um you know just before we finish up I want to circle back really quickly to the GDC because they are starting to get a little bit more aware of direct consumers and you mentioned that they've put like guidelines in place what what exactly are they just it's just so that we know what what they've said the reason I ask is because I'm I'm curious if they would put anything in place to stipulate the registration to these different dentists because like I say Jessica's was based in a completely different country <laughs> so they didn't before and actually they have changed that now um and so that's one of the things I was just actually checking because they this this page has only been out for about four or five months and they didn't have it before. But I'm now I'm almost certain that it says that you should check that the um, the person is GDC registered. Yeah. Am I confident the dentist is registered? And I wonder if that's, um, you know, if, if you're going in to get these treatments and you can say, oh, I want some information about the dentist that's overseeing the case. If that's something that is met with understanding when you go into these shops, because I have a small feeling that it's probably not, but. (laughs) No, I think it's glossed over, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So for any patient who's looking to seek direct consumer aligner treatment, I do recommend that they do visit the GDC website, which is gdc-uk.org. And on there, there is a whole toolkit one for professionals, but also one for patients about how to determine that you will get safe and healthy treatment. And certainly the GDC are saying, as we've said, you know, these technologies are great. They're really useful. They are a great adjunct for patient treatment, but they have to be done safely and ethically and with the patient at the forefront of the the treatment. And so the things that they do talk about is Firstly, making sure is the treatment right and safe for you. So making sure that if you've seen somebody, how 
how do you know that they've got all the information that you need to have in order for them to decide what treatment you, you need to have? And so that is what we come back to about having direct, you know, face to face contact with a clinician, ideally having those investigations, having an orthodontic assessment, having radiographs. So that's x-rays, as well as either the 3D scan or the impressions that you have taken. The second thing that they talk about is that direct interaction with a dentist is important for what we call valid consent. So valid consent is the understanding that you have decided to go ahead and have that treatment done, knowing all the risks and the benefits of that treatment to you. And for you to be able to do that, there needs to be a dialogue. There needs to be the ability for you to have a conversation with a healthcare professional about any questions or concerns that you might have. And that is very important at the beginning of the treatment, but it is also the case throughout the entirety of the treatment because consent does not begin and end with just saying yes I'm going to go ahead that links back to all the concerns the conversations that you and I have been talking about Sophie with regards to sensitivity or abscess or rubbing or anything like that and then the third big thing that the GDC talk about is knowing the name of the person who is treating you so that you know that the dentist who prescribes your treatment is also responsible for your treatment. So one of the things that you can do is you can go onto the GDC website and you can check that your named dentist is actually registered on the GDC website. So every dentist in this country and every registered dental nurse in this country and therapists and hygienists we are all registered with what we call the general dental council and in order for us to be able to do that we have to jump through certain loopholes to prove our professional competency our qualifications our regular commitment to ongoing education in order for us to remain on that register so that there is that protection for the public, that they know that they are being treated by somebody who knows what they're talking about and not any type of person who just has an interest in braces. Yeah. Something I will say about the GDC, um, like search for your dentist portal as well, it will flag up if they've been under like investigation or mm-hmm. um, suspensions yes. or things like that. So you'll get a sense of A, are, are they actually a dentist? And B, are they trustworthy and if they've got any black marks it will show them basically absolutely and and as you go back to as well where they're based yeah isn't it because you know one of the things about the gdc is obviously it covers um the patients that are sorry the, the registrants that are based in england wales scotland and northern ireland but people that sit outside of the four nations are not necessarily covered by the gdc so they are not upheld to the same standards that we are Mm -hmm. now that is open to interpretation. Their standards might be better, but let's face it, their standards might also be worse. But it's not about better or worse. It's about the fact that there is no consistency for the patient to be able to measure whether that registrant, whether that dentist is going to meet the standards that we expect in this country for good treatment to be delivered. And I think that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I want to say as well, don't be afraid to ask questions if you're going to go through an orthodontic treatment it's your health you need to feel comfortable raising concerns and questions and if you don't feel comfortable then that's Mm. maybe a sign to look elsewhere or get a different quote from someone else if you're going to an orthodontist and you don't quite click or if you're using one of these companies and you don't feel safe then that's a, a legitimate concern it shouldn't just be brushed off No, I think that's really, really important. I think it's very easy to assume that because you've paid your money to somebody, they know what they're doing and they know what they're talking about. And yes, you would hope that they do, but it is okay for you to have concerns and questions and need reassurance and need to actually understand what your treatment is about. Because I I say that to our patients, I say, you know, 
the opportunity to ask questions is really important and no question is ever too stupid because this is the first time that you may be undergoing this treatment. There is no prerequisite for you to have understood what everything I've said is about. So you need to ask those questions to make yourself feel comfortable. And in the same way as well, you know, even when you go face to face and you see somebody, that's a long term treatment. You know, you're looking at treatments of six, 12, 18, 24, even longer months. And so if you don't gel with that person, if you don't click together, don't start that long term relationship feeling like it doesn't feel like it's the right fit. You wouldn't do that with friendships. You wouldn't do that with, you know, personal relationships. So if you've got those concerns at the beginning, listen to your gut instinct and and, and maybe take yourself and your money elsewhere. Um I think we've started to look at these treatments like they're just cosmetic treatments, but your teeth, like I've said before, they're not like your hair. They're not like your nails. They don't grow back. They are your teeth and your teeth for life. And so if something does happen to them, that leaves you very, very disadvantaged at the end of treatment. Mm -hmm. So we want you to be in the best hands to have the best clinical care delivered to you so that you get the result that you were looking forward to and the result that you paid for. Yeah. It's funny as well. Well, in um saying it's not your hair it's not your nails I think the funniest analogy I've heard is yeah you wouldn't do your own laser eye surgery you wouldn't trust yourself to do that at home would you no it's the same thing absolutely absolutely it is exactly the same thing you know like we see all these things in the news about how terrible it is when people can't access a dentist and they've resorted to doing DIY treatment it's the same thing isn't it? You know, it's it's still your teeth. You know, when people have said, oh, I've had to pull my own tooth out, you know, during COVID mm. and it was awful. And, you know, people did struggle. Yeah. Um, but there's no need to do that. You know, there is there are people out there that can help and, and they have the knowledge and the education to help you get the best result. Um, and so that sometimes that that cheaper treatment option comes at a price. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think that's an important note to to end on. I'm going to let you get on with the rest of your day. But um, thank you for spending some time to chat to me. And uh, yeah, it's provided a lot of valuable insights. I'm very grateful. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Sophie. Thank you. So if you've got a story to share related to direct-to-consumer orthodontics, please get in touch because we do want to hear from you and we want to help however we can. So get in touch at dentalhealth.org forward slash safe smiles. You can email mail at dentalhealth.org and just put safe smiles story in the subject header and you can always call us as well. All of the links to our support services and telephone numbers will be in the description of this podcast. And if you do want to get in touch, please don't hesitate. We would be really happy to hear from you.